Welcome to another edition of the Romantic About Baseball podcast. My name is Adam McKinnon, as always, and joining me for the very first time is my uh, co-host, uh, Jim Passon Jr. Hello. Hello. How are we doing? Oh, you know, living, living the dream. The, uh, my Atlanta Braves just clinched the NL East just minutes ago, so um, if there was ever a time for me to, for us to start on this foot, this would be it. Yeah, I mean, yesterday would have worked out pretty good for me. The Yankees clinched yesterday, so there you go. We could have started early. We didn't. Have <laughs> oh, you know, just uh, given our given our past uh, past references, you know, it was funny. I looked it up, and the last time the Braves clinched back to back division titles was two thousand four and two thousand five, and um, the last time, and both times we lost to the Astros in the divisional series. So I'd love to settle that score this week. So that wasn't too long ago. So yeah, I was yeah. I was a senior in high school. You know, nice. I think nice. the kids so say hashtag no big deal. <laughs> so uh, not giving away your age already. No, no. You know, I figure the first couple minutes in, I'll just lay all the cards on the table. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so Jim, what? Is, let's uh, let's just get right into this, man. What is on? What's on your mind this week, my guy? Oh, man. For me, I guess it is. It's the playoffs. I mean, we're getting down to that time of year, aren't we? So um, we've got, yeah, some good races out there still going. Um, Not counting the Yankees and the Braves and such, uh, clinching their divisions already in Houston. But, I mean. The Dodgers clinched it in June. Yeah, the Dodgers, yeah. I think that was June of last year, wasn't it, I believe? (laughs) They had a reservation. Yeah, exactly. But uh, I mean, the NL Central's still hot. I mean, I'm an AL type of guy, so um, I'm I'm probably watching more of uh, the three-team race on the AL wildcard side. So that's kind of where what's drawing my interest the most, um, just I, to see what comes out of there. There's some interesting teams there. I agree. I think I think one of the things that has been most intriguing for me watching that, especially in the AL wildcard, is just the how the two teams that are really in it really are the, like the antithesis to, to the, the, uh, the teams that are so far ahead in a lot of ways, you know, the heavily built, the Dodgers and the Astros, the super teams built on starting pitching. And then you like, you have these really small market, you know, sabermetrically driven teams that are, you know, I think could be really sneaky good, when the when the rubber meets the road, you know what I mean. I almost hate that the A's and Rays have to play each other. Yeah, and I mean that's no guarantee now. Too. Well, that's I mean, true, actually. Yeah, I I, I dare say speak too soon because the Indians really are uh, really are making a making a run of it at this point. 
Yeah, I mean, the Red Sox were looking pretty good against the Rays tonight, As uh, right before we got on here. I noticed that the, the Rays did their damage uh, late in the game to uh, catch back up again, take a lead, but they've blown it again now here in the ninth, and it's it's a 4-4 ball game out there between Tampa and Boston. So uh, it's not going to be easy slaying for the, um, for the Rays. They've got a tough schedule ahead of them. That's true. No, I, I agree. And, you know, I, for me, I you know, I look at the difference between, like, say the NL wild card, which you're looking at a lot of flawed teams that are really just trying to get their way in. And then you look at, uh, to be honest with you, I think if I'm the Astros or if I'm the Astros right now, I am not looking forward or the Yankees. I'm not looking forward to playing whoever comes out of that wild card game. No, no. And I mean, that's kind of the talk of the town, at least, uh, you know, for, for me, following the Yankees as uh, fairly close as I do, um, that's what everybody's talking about. It's like, well, do you, would you rather have a chunk of Minnesota, or would you like to see who comes out of that wild card game? And uh, you know, I don't even know if it's a fifty-fifty split. It seems like a lot of people would love to just try to get their hands on on Minnesota and, and deal with that instead. Um, Completely agree. Uh, other, it's the it's the opposite of the National League, which it's just. You know, I'm the we're the you know as a Braves fan, I'm thinking, man, I would love that number, you know, that number one seed because you know those are some flawed teams outside of the Nationals, really. But you know, the Nationals, look, you run up a few, you you know, by the third inning of the National League Wild Card game, we're gonna know if the Nationals are gonna win or not. Yeah, yeah. If the starting pitching can handle it, then uh, then they'll handle it. If they can't handle it, boy. I don't know if they can slug their way past anybody. That's so, a good uh, point. Yeah, I, and especially you know the teams that are still in it at this point. Uh, thank you know, thankfully, a lot of our a lot of our production and, and meetings and, and prep have uh, not had the Brewers in it. But thank goodness that we put a couple <laughs> things together really quickly because I I think you and me last week were just talking about how I don't think the Brewers have the horses. And yet here we are. Yeah, no Yelich. Uh, the pitching where it's at, I mean, their strong suit, it seems to me, is going to be a little bit on the defensive side and uh, in the relief pitching. And I just didn't think that was going to be enough in, in for what they were trying to, for who they're competing against and, and how they're going to get in there. I don't, that just, I mean, I was kind of rooting for them because I'd like to see Milwaukee get in there and do some damage, but and I kind of doubted it. But here we are sitting today with their game up i believe game and a um, half as of yeah. well i don't know if it's it changed since the last time i looked but i think it was a game and a half and you're right like and the cubs just don't seem like they had their uh kurt gibson moment you know rizzo he's out of the game he comes in he hits a home run you know and and i they just they couldn't if you can't win after your star player does that it's just not your year man it's just yeah. not your year yeah, that was quite the story yesterday with Rizzo. Uh, and then, yeah, the comeback in the ninth, just to fail in the tenth like that. Ugh, it's a heartbreaker, but, you know, it's the Cubs have had a pretty good run. It just, uh, it just doesn't seem to be all quite put together this year for them. I agree. I think that's that's a franchise that's that's going to be looking at some serious. You know, I wrote I, I wrote a, a, a piece probably a few months ago about potential rebuilds on the horizon, and um, the Cubs were a team that like you know uh, if they didn't really capitalize this year, 
And it seems like, you know, they've got a lot of hard decisions ahead of them. So I'd be very interested to see what their what their offseason looks like if there's no October baseball in Chicago. Yeah, exactly. <coughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, you hear the rumors about uh, Madden, you know. Is he, has he got a chance to stay if they don't make the playoffs? And it seems... It seems so odd that it was just three years ago. I mean, they were going to build a statue of him out in front oh, of the Oh, yeah, stadium. they were going to do what uh, what Cincinnati tried to do in the 70s with Pete Rose and make him a national landmark. You know, yeah, it, I, it, I just, it, you know, and, and it, nobody's going to be worried about Joe Madden. I think the Cubs will ultimately be losers in that situation, but that's another rabbit hole for another day. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, I yeah, it, it's amazing how quick uh, fan bases and uh, they they call for the manager as if the manager is the only one that's got any control over anything out there on that field. Uh, but it's a lot easier to try to to knock out one guy than try to take out half of a team that that might not be producing as the way you wish they were. So yeah. it seems like the manager is almost always getting the blame. And if there's enough pressure from the fandom, it seems like. Uh, ownership and in the gms they fold quite a bit so unless you're in boston then the gm is the guy taking all the blame (laughs) he can't even get he can't get through a full season a year after winning the world series and that is an amazing thing that that went that way you know i i did i i have a lot of uh red sox fans uh, excuse me friends that are red sox fans and um i wrote a piece that uh, uh for call to the pen that basically like called out red red sox ownership saying like, you know what, you're the villain now. Like you you just you just bagged your GM after less than a year. You know, you've got this great, great talented roster, yada yada yada. And then and I'll tell you something. The not once did I talk about Alex Cora and that whole thing. And I didn't realize till afterwards. I was like, dude, I Alex Cora didn't even come up. Like it wasn't even yeah. a thought when I was doing my article research or any I was like why are we not talking about Alex Cora right now? Yeah, nothing, nothing at all about him. No. Um, in fact, I, I believe it was as soon as, uh, they let go of, uh, uh, double D there. They, um, they pretty much went out and the Red Sox made sure that, that everybody understood that Cora and most of his staff was coming back the next year. I believe it was the next day. I might've been just prior to the David Ortiz first pitch that kind of covered things up the next day. Yeah. Right? Fun, nice little so, distraction, right? Yeah. But I guess that was all pre-planned from ahead of time. I guess we'll have to believe what we all believe. Yeah. But when the tiles I, start falling and JD opts out and Mookie keeps talking about free agency. Yeah. There will be, there, there will be a uh, hell to pay at some point in there, but uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know who, who will pay for it, but it, uh, so far, it's just been Dombrowski. Yeah, well, you know, he, he'll be fine. Yeah, exactly. I'm not overly worried about it. Yeah, him, exactly. So. I'm a Yankees fan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, he said so matter-of-factly. Um, so, yeah, basically, um, I wanted to, you know, we had uh, talked a little bit about the, some of these playoff scenarios, and and a big asterisk here, a lot of our National League research has the Cubs in it at this point, and which they still could be, you know, they could still write the ship here. So we're just going to move forward here. So uh, we were looking at some intriguing sort of World Series matchups, some, you know, different possibilities, kind of running it down. And something that I thought was kind of interesting was, for example, you look at, you know, uh, the Dodgers and Yankees. Let's say that ends up happening. 
um, you know, you've got 10 matchups over the course of their franchise lives. The Yankees own it seven to three. Um, yeah. And I, I believe that's the most matchups amongst any uh, World Series, I believe, right? Uh, that is correct. I mean, you know, it's it's easy to pick from the Yankees when you got 26 titles to choose from. <laughs> 27. 27. Okay, 27. I, I this, is, this is why Jim's the stat guy. Working on 28, right? That's working on 28. <laughs> as of now, as of now, it's a WIP work in progress. Yep. Um. But so that's like the most common one. And to be honest with you, and maybe it's because I'm not non-Yankees fan, like 90% of the rest of the country. But, um, you know, I, I would almost say like, all right, let's, let's look at some of the more unique ones. Like some of the, like there's obviously like the nationals have never matched up with anybody. The, yes. uh, the, um, let's see here. The athletics have a little bit of a slimmer pick here with these teams. The um, for some reason, and I didn't quite understand this, but even the Cardinals didn't have as many matchups as I thought they would, you know, with with these teams uh, that are in the current playoff pool. Yeah, it's uh, it's really difficult because um, they matched up, I believe, against the the Twins once is all. Um, It was 87, I think. Yeah, 87. Uh, I mean, the Indians just can't find their way to the World Series. And when they do, it seems like it's against the. The Marlins, I guess, and that's really about <laughs> all they've done since uh, '48, I believe. I think I they think were there in 1954, also. But uh, 95 Braves. Yeah, 95 Braves. Yeah, and then one in '54, but I can't remember who that was. But um, yeah, yeah, it's it's hard with the teams that are out there. I mean, it's just the Cardinals didn't get to play any of these teams, and the Cardinals, you know, with no Red Sox around. I mean, they've played them, I believe, a couple times. Um, right. Yeah, that it really trims the list, but. Nobody's won more world championships from the National League side than the Cardinals did. So that's I mean, true. at least World Series championships wise that have been played since so three. So Yeah, and, the, and there were some other interesting matchups that I thought, like for example, like we could see a nineteen ninety one rematch between the Braves and Twins, the the Cinderella season. Um, yeah, I would think that would be a that would be a, a matchup that would that would garner some interest. Um you know, based on market size, you can look at the Cubs and Yankees. They haven't seen each other since 1938. Yeah, that'd be pretty neat. Not too many people running around still remember that one. Well, that is that is true. And uh, that was sort of pre-Yankees, like, dominance, too. Well, I guess post, like, you know, Murderer's Row, pre, um, well, post-20s, pre, you know, 1950s, utter, complete dominance, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. The Yankees are all over it. <laughs> so, I mean, but some other interesting first time matchups would be like, so Cardinals Astros, that'd be a first, uh, yes. because the Astros were in the national league for so many years. That always, yep. that complicated things. Um, Cubs and twins. And that even goes back to the days of the, as the senators. Yep. Uh, you know, obviously nationals, Indians, um, yeah, I mean, there was a lot of, uh, I mean, I, I went on, on Twitter and I asked around to see what kind of matchups people liked, and uh, I got lots of feedback off of that. I mean, the 91 series that you mentioned, a lot of people were like, hey, I'll take a repeat of that. Give me seven games like that again. 
watch it all the way to the end, no problem. Uh, whether it was five one-run games, um, you got Jack Morris pitching ten inning complete games to win it, one to nothing in the seventh game. Matching like Smoltz, you know, throwing seven and a third. Herbeck pulling Gant off the bag. Um, yep. Kirby Puckett hitting. A, you know, I told you this story that you know I've only ever heard where, you know, Chili Davis is uh, talking to Kirby Puckett in game six and Kirby thinks, you know, I'm going to bunt. And then Chili Davis says, hell no, man, hit it, hit it, hit it out of here and let's go home. And that's exactly what he does. Get um, out of here. We got a game tomorrow to play. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, you know, it's one of those things where there, there are some interesting matchups that I would, I, I think, uh, now what was the one that you got the most response from though? Oh man, uh, a lot of people wanted the Houston LA rematch uh, from two years ago. Boring. That was a great series. Uh, just the home runs that were hit in the the one game and in the extra innings. Gosh, I think there was five in that game. It was just a gem of a of a series, um, and it's really fresh in people's minds. Just like the Cubs Indians. I mean, we all know how that one ended. That one's still fresh in people's minds. I got a lot of hits on that. Um, but a lot of people were looking for pitching matchups. They wanted Nats versus the Astros uh, so that they could see matchups like Cole versus Scherzer or Verlander versus Scherzer in the first game, then Cole versus Strasburg and Grinky versus Corbin. I mean, like they were teammates or something recently. Um, and But other people were like, well, it wouldn't be too bad to also see um, Houston go up against the Dodgers for the same exact reason. You can get Bueller, Kershaw, Ryu. Um, so people really jumped all over that one um gosh i had another one in mind that was really sharp uh tampa bay la um was one that was popular i believe that was a friedman world series as people were calling it oh yeah that's Um, right people forget that that friedman was really heavy into the race yeah yeah exactly um a lot of people yeah cheering for yankees dodgers of course uh just to keep getting that there was a yankees Cardinals, so that the team with the most world series titles from each league would be facing against each other so some people were looking at it as a historical thing versus what's going on today but then there's just some that you know hey give me milwaukee tampa bay i want to i want one of those teams to walk off the field with their first world series championship you know that's that's something that i've been i've been thinking about is you know since 2010 26 teams have made the postseason but only 11 have played in the world series. Yeah. So I would really love, you know, as, as much of a Braves fan that I am, and I would love to get vengeance for 96 or I would love, you know, for, to get, (coughs) to get vengeance for 91. But I, you know, there is a small part of me that thinks, you know what I'd love, there's, I would just love to see like an A's, uh, you know, A's, A's Braves, yeah, A's Braves, right? A's, you know, great. like something that hasn't happened this decade. Yeah, great young talent playing against each other like that, or you know, your sabermetric darling, uh, the Rays in there doing something crazy, just something that you haven't seen before. There is a draw to that. Um, it might not be a draw to your average fan that's really just looking for entertainment value and needs those big names and those big market teams in there. But as goes for baseball fans, uh, you know, a lot of us that we thirst for something we've never seen before. Um, we live for that. 
That's true. And, you know, I wonder if, you know, a lot, the joke is like, oh God, the last thing that MLB needs is, you know, Braves and A's or like, you know, Nationals, Rays or, or, you know, something like that. But I would argue that I think the average fan is more educated than they used to be. I think that the, uh, you know, the general litmus of fans in general and the involvement of markets like, you know, the A's have a new stadium coming. You know, the Braves have a fancy new one. The, you know, the Yank, every team has a sort of stake in a lot of this that, you know, the twins are are looking to be relevant again. You know, there's a storyline everywhere. And I think you can't always say that about every postseason. Oh, no, no. This one seems to be loaded in them. Um, it, it, It doesn't seem, I mean, from what I gather, I mean, you can almost take, any matchup and then find a way to to be like wow that's amazing that these two ended up meeting each other out of these teams that are gonna gonna be in there it just seems like one of those types of years this year so um you know i mean for me i would want the yankees to be there just as a fan wise but if i'm looking at as a just a baseball fan i'm looking for entertainment and i'm not finding anything that's gonna show up that i'm gonna be like eh you know this this world series is gonna be ho-hum yeah, um, I don't think there's anything like that possible. I there's mean, nothing think... unsexy about any of these matchups. I mean, I would I would love to see A's and Braves. I would love to see these fireball young relief pitchers and the strategy of matching up against the top half of Atlanta's lineup. Yeah, right. I mean, or the Yan- or the Yankees who have the best bullpen in baseball. I mean, match them up against, you know, the Dodgers, the most disciplined lineup in, in recent memory. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or you see the yeah, Braves they're... with their terrible bullpen. I mean, golly, like, you know, the, it would make for good TV. Yeah. You want some comebacks? You want some late scores? <laughs> right. Put in, it. put in an anemic offense. Put, like, you know, somebody like the... Uh, Rays and Braves, a sort of, a, by comparison, anemic offense versus a leaky bullpen, and just throw them into the throw them into the Thunderdome and watch it happen. Yeah, exactly. Let it go. Um, so, so what's your so what's let's let's do it. Let's get bold. What what are you thinking? What's your matchup? Uh, you know, for me, um, I think it'd be cool if it was a California series. If I'm going to put my fandom away, stick it to the side. Give me Dodgers, give me A's. Wow. Why not, right? Give me I wouldn't have picked that. all over again. Give me uh, Kirk Gibson. <laughs> give me Kirk Gibson off the Eck. Um, <laughs> I think I think I'm going to go selfishly I'm going I'm going to go Braves Astros because I I want to see the two teams that the the tore it down go back again and sort of like give more fuel to this tanking fire. Like yep. the teams that broke it down and build it back up, meet in the world series. And then you've, then we've just got fodder for the whole off season in Kansas oh. city and Baltimore about how terrible it is for baseball, but look, it can work. You know, can we really take any more though? I mean, the twins have a good chance of winning a hundred games this year. 
if they win 100 games this year, the Astros win 100 games this year, and the Yankees win 100 games this year, this would be the second time ever that 300-win teams were inside the American League. And the last time it happened was last year. That's what led <laughs> to this tanking, right? I mean, it's where we're at. You can't get these amount of wins in the same league without a bunch of teams that are going out there and, and not really playing for the wins. But, eh. Yeah. Right. Speaking I, of rabbit holes for other shows. Um, yes. We so, have a whole entire off-season to talk about. Oh, yes. Darn sure. <laughs> There'll be way too much time for that. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, all right, so um, moving on. One of the uh, one of the things that I wanted to do is uh, every year I am a, I am a esteemed member of the uh, IBWAA. I say that with all flattery to myself as possible, um, and they give a, they give us an awards ballot, and I gut check filled it out. And I sent it to you and I, I sent it to Jim. I said, Jim, poke holes in this thing. And so come at me, bro. Let's. All right. I got your ballot. I, th- I think you should at least uh, inform people that might not know what the IBWAA stands for. Very good, sir. So there's the BBWAA, which is the Baseball Writers Association of America. These are the folks who vote in the Hall of Fame every year. And uh, basically, you know, it, it, it's the official writers, you could call it the Writers Guild of Baseball, I guess. Um, what the IBWAA is, is a sort of unofficial uh, organization that links the internet writers together. And I've been a member for a couple of years now, I think two or three years. And um, it is, you know, it's a little bit widely a more progressive organization. Like the, like for example, like Bonds is in on our ballot. Uh, Clemens is in on our ballot. It's, um, it's a, so it's a little bit more of a younger demographic, more statistically driven, more analytically driven. A little bit, you know, I'm not going to make too partisan an argument per se, but it's a, it's a little more in touch with what a lot of younger, more modern fans look for, yeah. um, in those sorts of things. And so anyway, so that's what the IBWAA is. Uh, I filled out a couple ballots. This is my th- second or third, I think. I don't remember. And, um, <clears throat> you get 10 selections for MVP of both league, five selections for Cy Young, and then three for rookie of the year, manager of the year, and reliever of the year. So that's the outline. All right, well, let's start at the top, right? Let's talk about the one that everybody wants to talk about anyway. We've got our MVPs, right? Right. So looking at your AL MVP, right down the line for pretty much what a lot of the world's thinking, as long as you're all right with the fact that your AL MVP comes from a team with a losing record, not going to be in the playoffs. Right. And let me back up, Jim, for a second. Let me just run down my 10 MVP in order. All right. All right, so it goes Mike Trout, Alex Bregman, Justin Verlander, Mookie Betts, Marcus Simeon, Garrett Cole, George Springer, Xander Bogarts, Matt Chapman, and Max Kepler. I like the Max Kepler on the end there. Got to throw some love to the Twins. What a season, man. Yeah, he doesn't get enough love for what he's done this year. So I'm glad somebody's throwing a vote at him. Yeah, but it's hard to climb this ladder. There are plenty of good names up there. I like to see Marcus Simeon in there. I think it's... uh, 
something that flew under the radar for way too long. I think it's finally getting the recognition that it deserves. The name's starting to float around a little bit more in the land of Twitter. And uh, I enjoy seeing that because he's definitely had a good season. Um, but yeah, targeting at the top of your list, your top three, having a pitcher in the third position like Justin Verlander, incredible season. The Dingers is all he's given up. But I mean, it seems like every one of them is a solo home run. And that's about all he's giving up. There's nothing left there. The man's been on fire. Bregman, teammate, very great season. He, he's accompanied by so much talent around him. Right. I almost feel like he's getting his votes. They're going to get pulled all over the place, right? You got Garrett Cole in there, George Springer, Justin Verlander, all with Alex Bregman in your top, not even top 10, top seven on your ballot. Right. And so. you know that I was very conscious of that too, man. That, that was some, I agree with you. I think a lot of Astros are going to pull from a lot of other Astros. It's almost like too, too much. <laughs> Yeah, it's going to be hard. I mean, it's not that you know, uh, it's not that it shouldn't, that it should affect it, but everybody's going to see the value in each of those players just a little bit different. That's got to vote, and I think that's just enough to tug away because I believe there's some people out there that feel that Garrett Cole has been more of an efficient pitcher than Justin Verlander has. Um, so it's dependent on what you're looking at, you know, um, right. their stat lines. So you're going to have those pulls all over the place. So you getting yours in there and putting all of them in there like you have, it's a, it's amazing that you got them all in there. There's so much talent out there that's had a great year this year. But you can expect to see way more of these types of ballots being where maybe one or two or three of them get in on their top tens, but it, they, they might not get to the top of that list. So, right. Um, but at the top of the list, the guy, Mike Trout. I mean, yeah. If you, like, at this point, I think you may agree with me on this. If you are making the, it's almost contrarian to argue against Mike Trout for MVP anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they should just almost name the award after him, but what's weird <laughs> is that what he's only got a pair of them, I believe. Right. And he hasn't I, won one since 2016. I think you may be right on that. And yeah. I don't have that number in front of me, but I, I believe that because I mean, you know, he's just, I don't know, you know, I I think it's it's almost obligatory for anyone that's on Twitter, any baseball writer to make some sort of look how great Mike Trout is relative to everyone else that's ever picked up a baseball bat in the history of anything, <laughs> sort of like stat or tweet or something, you know, just yep. until it's almost like he has to prove otherwise. It's his award to lose every every opening day. Exactly. Yeah, it sure feels like that. That's for darn sure. Yeah, it, uh, it, it, his bad days are better than most people's best days, it seems. And so right. um, once you start putting his season together and you just start seeing it accumulate over the year, you know, we talk about him when he goes through a, a slump and it's not really a slump, but it's a slump for him. And then people are like, well, man, he's not really having that great of a year. And then like 75, 80 games in the season, you see the workload that he's put in there and you're like, yeah, you had a bad month, you know, in May or a little slow of a month in May. And then you see the overall number. He's like, good grief. I can't believe I actually thought that guy was, you know, struggling. Right. I mean, the overall numbers just, they don't back it up. It just, we've gotten so used to trout being trout that when trout's just trout, it's like, eh. yeah. Right? It, yeah. The litmus is so high. The, the 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 litmus is or the bar rather is probably a better term the bar is so high it's insurmountable even for him 
So yeah. I've just defaulted. I mean, honestly, man, I've just defaulted every year. Mike Trout's my MVP until he proves it. Not till anyone else proves better than him until he proves otherwise. Yeah, exactly. Ooh, he's 28 this year? I think so. Um, I think you're right, yeah. Just turned 28. I think it's his age 27 season. He was 27 on June 30th. And uh, he's already accumulated more war than every active player except for Albert Pujols, his teammate. Right? Yeah. He's the only one ahead of him. And at the rate he's going to go, he's I mean, he's going to pass him before he's 31. So, good God, yeah. I mean, that's what we're we're dealing with is a guy that's already at this age just ran past everybody. Um, yeah. It's, yeah, a, his, it's not his two fair. two MVP season that he's had are the two lowest OPS pluses that he's had in a non rookie season, and the other ones have all been higher OPS pluses, but no award, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I think even the world's gotten used to him just being good, and it's like, well. Why give it to him? He's on a team that's not making the playoffs. I, th- I know that affects some votes. And uh, sure in my does. world, it doesn't. But I don't yeah. have a vote. So. Well, neither do I in some ways. Yeah, yeah um, I mean, I'd have to learn how to write. So yeah. I'm, not gonna, <laughs> I'm, I'm not earning that vote anytime soon. Probably. Yeah, if they gave it to me, they'll give it to anybody. So yeah. uh, A.L. Cy Young. Um, I'll run it down for you real quick. Again, five selections in order from first to fifth. Justin Verlander, Charlie Morton, Garrett Cole, Mike Miner, and Lance Lynn. The only, my only real inconsistency here is I did not have Charlie Morton on my MVP ballot, but he's second on my Cy Young ballot. So that's my mm. consolation prize to Charlie Morton. Gotcha. I did not even notice that when I first looked at it. I like the Charlie Morton in there, so... Um... I didn't have any issues with this. I mean, I know the Mike Miners and the Lance Lynns are packing the war, um, right. given the situation that they're playing in, uh, on the teams that they're playing in, in the park that they're playing in. So uh, um, I understand why their war is adding up. I just don't feel like war tells the whole story on these guys, and uh, that if you put a Verlander or a Cole in those same situations, that they wouldn't rack up just as much, if not more, war than Miner and Lynn are. If you put um, Verlander or Cole, Cole especially, and Mike Miner or Lance Lynn's situation, I mean, they're putting up Sandy Koufax numbers, like peak would, Sandy Koufax numbers. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't be shocked that, yeah, the 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 situ if they were in that situation at least war wise what they were going to come out of it as because uh I mean I see them as much more superior than than their counterparts I just can't see if Verlander took Miner's place and Miner took Verlander's place that that this would change right yeah that you would you would flip them on your ballot exactly opposite and uh, yet one of them's listed as more valuable and I do believe if I'm not mistaken the Lance Lynn's listed most valuable, I believe, on fan graphs and minor on baseball reference. Uh, yeah, I think you're right because I know minor was most valuable. I mean, when I when I got to sometimes I default to war if I'm just in such a at an, at an impasse. And if I had done that, Mike Minor would probably get the top vote. It's just yep. it, it's fascinating, and this is a guy who was, you know not cast off, but he was like sort of just quietly let go from the Braves. He was like, he didn't quite, he was a closer. He was a great closer one year and then he wasn't anymore. And, you know, he just sort of reemerged this year. I mean, if anything else, give the guy comeback player of the year. I mean, I mean, if you look at his numbers, his traditionals, right? For this year, 
Miners, 13 wins, 9 losses, 3.33 ERA in 30 starts this year. He has tossed two complete games and got one to be a shutout, shutout right? Right. Uh, but he hasn't uh, cleared 200 innings pitched yet. I don't know if he will in his next start. It seems like it's getting to the end of the year. It seems to be that point that when you're out of the playoff picture or even in the playoff picture, you're not getting much more than five innings at this point unless you're in a dead heat to you know force yourself into the playoffs. And then they'll do whatever it takes to get there. Right. So And with 188 strikeouts, and if I'm not mistaken, I believe Garrett Cole surpassed 300 the other day. Right. So, you you look at these numbers and they seem so pedestrian in comparison, but yet go ahead and look at baseball reference war, 7.9. Leads uh, all pitchers, uh, 7.7 for Verlander is behind him. Um, amazing. It's, it's it's amazing what context does. Yeah, yeah, it really is. So is it an incredible season? Yeah, for sure, it really is. But uh, if you are just taking your look at your standard numbers and you, and you try to look at just that and you eliminated war nah you know I, i'm 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 not sure if people would even place him in the top five i'm not sure i agree i i think it, i think it was almost he's earned a spot on the ballot i don't think he's earned a top vote yeah no um no. all right so moving on to uh rookie of the year uh this was this was weirdly hard. Like I almost like I actually had Jordan. So anyway, so one, two, three is uh, Vlad Guerrero Jr., Jordan Alvarez, Brandon Lau. Um, I I didn't have a real stake in this one to be honest with you. I just didn't. I think Alvarez's sample size is just so small in that obnoxious lineup. I went with I went with Vlad just because. You know, he's played a season, started off rough. He made the he made the corrections needed. You know, I think that warrants it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you you got to give credit to games played. There is something to be said about getting the getting the time in. Uh, I mean, I know they held them down in Buffalo for a little while at the beginning of the season to get that extra year of control Service out of them. Time. You know, the twenty year old, so that they can get one more year out of them. But uh, you know it. When you get his numbers and you compare him to who I believe would be the AL Rookie of the Year, Jordan Alvarez, uh, you know, it seems like Alvarez, even with a shorter sample, uh, has been able to exceed uh, in some of these uh, stats on Vladdy. Uh, he's already ahead of him in war. Um, he's already scored more runs than him, uh, more extra base hits, especially in the home run category. RBIs, if that's a thing for you. I mean, one's the Astros and one's the Blue Jays. Right. Right. So you can't, yeah. Neither of them have stolen a base. Uh, Alvarez has been walked more in, what, 150 less plate appearances this year? So uh, it's, it's, uh, it's quite the numbers that Jordan Alvarez has put up in just the short amount of time that he's been able to play. Um, I was just looking at some numbers the other day on him. Uh, and getting a good comparison to um, other rookies that have been able to uh, post a 1,000 OPS. I believe there was only 10 rookies in the history of baseball that have ever posted 1,000 OPS in their in their rookie season with a minimum of uh, 300 plate appearances. Mm-hmm. And and the highest of them all coming into this year was Shoeless Joe Jackson, who had a 1058 OPS for the 1911 Indians or might have been in the Cleveland Naps at that point still, right? Right. Forever ago. It was the one that Aaron Judge dang near eclipsed 
a couple seasons ago and fell just a little bit short of. Um, but 1058, that's a beautiful rookie season. Uh, Jordan Alvarez has got a 1090 OPS this year. Jeez. I mean, he's pushing 1100 this year, and it's just not too small of a sample size. Yeah, did Shoeless Joe and Aaron Judge and Ted Williams is 1045 his rookie year. They had all, I believe, over 600 plate appearances in each one of them. If Jordan plays this season out these last eight or nine games and gets enough PAs in there, he'll push pretty close to 370, I believe, 380 plate appearances. So it won't be quite matched up with those guys. But just even kind of put a little bit of context behind it, how many rookies have had 300-plus plate appearances is many of them and none of them have done this not 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 like Jordan has well and to be fair and I I agree with everything you just said but you know my I think my argument against Jordan and I don't feel like you know this is not the hill I'm ready to die on but I I do I do kind of wonder like you know this this plays into a little bit of the tanking right like for example you know, Vlad plays on, by all accounts, a rebuilding team. If I'm an opposing pitcher going into the, going up and down my scouting report, going up and down my lineup card, Jordan Alvarez is the beneficiary of standing in a lineup that a pitcher is either exhausted by the time he gets to you or pitching around you, at which point you're still the beneficiary. Yep, so exactly. I, I think I think that with rookie of the year, I think there's a little bit of credence to working with what you have because unlike say MVP, where by this point most of these players, if you go down that list, Trout, Bregman, Betts, Simeon, Cole, Springer, these are guys who have enough clout. They could have a little bit of control by this point in their career as to where they play, how they play, how their teams are playing. You know, you're to, I think if you put Vlad in I think it's more remarkable if you put Vlad Guerrero in, um, you know, the Astros lineup. Then if you take then if you take Jordan Alvarez out of context and put him in the Blue Jays lineup, I think we're I think the conversation does flip. Yeah, but, I think it at least yeah. comes closer together. Yeah. All right. So um, manager of the year, uh, this one very subjective, but you know. Uh, just how Mike Trout is is his to lose. As long as the A's keep winning, Bob Melvin's my guy. I can't argue with that. Um, you have Bob Melvin just ahead of Kevin Cash, Aaron Boone. I mean, the Yankees were loaded. The Yankees dealt with a bunch of injuries. Um, so I mean, Boone winning it would have been it would have been pretty. It would have been a long shot. They were expected to go fairly deep anyway. They weren't in any real rebuilding mode or borderline not a playoff team mode. Um, Kevin Cash just, I mean, pfft, seems like he should be in the running every year for, for doing things that most teams don't do in and that division, no less too. I mean, this it, is not like, you know, there's no, I mean, it, there may, you could argue that there's gimmies this year with the blue Jays, excuse me, and the Orioles, but even still, you know, this is not, this is not a team that is, is, you know, just you look up and down their roster and think these guys right here, these guys are going to have a top five pitching staff, you know, top to bottom. They're going to have a productive lineup. You would not think that. No, no. You just know that there's going to be 25 different starters this year or whatever the magic right. number is going to be. You know? Right. <coughs> and uh, by starter, it's just an opener situation. And, and he just, he's, 
he's playing the numbers. He's playing the analytics. He's going with the matchups. He's doing everything that he can to eke out every game. I, I don't even know what their run differential is. It seems like their run differential is probably like plus 12 this year. It just seems like in close games, they're dangerous. And uh, sometimes games get away from them, well, so be it. Lose one. I don't care if I lose by eight. It's only one loss. As long as I keep winning the other ones by one or two, I'll right. take them. More wins and losses get you there. And I think just the way he manages and does what he does with what he's got, the payroll that that team puts together, all the trades that they've made, I mean – the amount of different players that have rotated through that lineup in the last three years has been ridiculous. Doesn't the lineup today doesn't look anything like it did three years ago. So no, it's a um, totally, it's a different franchise. It, it, yeah. It's a different franchise. So yeah, different franchise and just as competitive. It seems it's weird. It, well, so. one, one day we will learn not to write off the A's one day. We will. I don't know when that day will be. Yep. Maybe by the time, I mean, Billy beans, you know, grandson will be GMing the A's and we will still write them off and they'll still win 90 games a year. Yeah. They'll figure it out. They always do. I mean, they play that ballpark. They know that ballpark. It's amazing how the A's have a home field advantage there. Like few other teams get for home field advantage. So that's, uh, that's a good point. I would not. And that's what makes them so dangerous. I think. Yeah. It's the last place you want to really go to is go hang out there. So, um, and right now they control that, that first wild card spot. And uh, that's not good for those other two teams that are, are trying to climb that, right? The Rays and the Indians. So knowing that you're going to have a one-game shot against that squad in that ballpark, um, just the way that they play, the heart and hustle that they have, I wouldn't want anything to do with the A's in a one-game series. I don't even know if I'd want anything to do with them in a five-game I was going to say, I don't even want them in a five-game. Um, so, reliever, AL reliever of the year, I mean, I don't I don't have a big stake in this one, man. I did this one because I had to. Uh, Liam Hendricks, Aroldis Chapman, Taylor Rogers. Any huge objections here? I can't object to anything there. I mean, I love Taylor Rogers. I think what he's done in Minnesota for a, a team that's, I, it's, to me, it feels like they've struggled to get a nice solid closer since uh joe nathan to me i mean it just seems like it's been just rough there to get him to shut down games the last good closer that they kind of had really wasn't a strikeout artist uh name slipping me right now but i believe they traded him off to the nats here a couple years ago trevor may am i wrong there no no not trevor oh, may. that was the one but uh yeah and it just never seemed like it it, it was that energy was there at the back end of that bullpen. And then, uh, yeah, Taylor Rogers this year has been, I mean, I wouldn't say lights out, but he has been everything that they've asked for at that position and, uh, and brings that energy with him and the, the team feasts off it, I believe. So yeah. I think pitch pitching wise, if it wasn't for, for him and Barrios, Barrios, uh, you know, I don't know what they would have on the pitching side so much that I'd be <laughs> Lan- so... Lance Lynn and his 15 fastballs. <laughs> Right. (laughs) Um, All right. So National League. All right. Now this is, this is where this is, this was the one that uh, I was like, try, you know, change my mind and uh, we'd have some fun with it. So, all right. So National League MVP uh, running down the list from one to 10. uh, I have Ronald Acuna Jr., Cody Bellinger, Anthony Rendon, Christian Yelich, Cattell Marte, Freddie Freeman, Jacob DeGrom, Javi Baez, Pete Alonso, and Clayton Kershaw. So why am I a terrible person for having Ronald Acuna as my MVP? You want me to really tell you? Yeah. <laughs> lay, it, <laughs> lay it on me. 
<laughs> I mean, it, I mean, we talked about war earlier with other people and uh, and having it in the right text and whatnot with Minor and Lynn and uh, right. I think we're in the same boat here with Ronald Acuna Jr. His war doesn't match up with the rest of those guys. Uh, he falls, I believe, around ninth to tenth in uh, just position player war. Right. Not taking the the NL pitchers out of the out of the fray. So. Um, he doesn't sit in that darling area. I mean, he's got the strikeout count up and uh, contacts down where it shouldn't be, but uh, the energy that he brings to the game, the, the, the power that he actually brings to the game, the tools that he is using, he's really good at. And so, yeah, would he be mine? No, probably not. But, uh, well, here's, do here's, I here's really the, have to hate it now. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Value to me is a in the subjective is is relative to what you contribute to the team like what makes you what makes your value unique like uh, you know this is absolutely no disrespect to cody bellinger or uh christian yelich but if, if you break them apart okay if you if you just line them up next to each other cody bellinger christian yelich give them as my three hitters all day long right um but I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna necessarily. You can put them, and Bellinger has batted leadoff, uh, as has Yelich in his career. But I think for me, what Acuna brings that guys like he, you know, Rendon can't bring the speed. Bellinger can't bring the can't bring the speed. You, you know, with Yelich steals bases, and like Cattell Marte, my number five guy. You know, he's sort of a. I call him Diet Acuna. You know, there there's something to it, but what Acuna does from the leadoff spot that other that that changes the entire approach to how how teams approach a, a pitching hit, pitching that entire lineup. Now and take and I don't care who you put behind Acuna, but if I'm a pitcher going into a game and I know I could be down one nothing before the second batter of the game, you know, before I even get, make my first out, I think that changes the complexion of how you're, you're changing how an entire team approaches the game. Yep. And, yeah. and that, that to me is the value that he brings because if he's not going to beat you over the fence, he's going to beat you on the base paths. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, the, the immediate impact that is possible at that with Acuna at the top of the lineup is something that has to be recognized. But uh, at the same time, the the 180 strikeouts have to be recognized also. So it's um, it's a valid you know, it, point. It, it, I it, I think it I think it you know I would kindly remind my detractors that Mike Trout once led the league in strikeouts too. Yeah yeah one point I believe. Uh, he had over 200 big, I think. Uh, yeah, and I think um, at one point in his career, I'd like to say that he had the most strikeouts of any guy that's in his first five seasons in the big leagues than any other you know uh, hitter ever, right? I mean, that's ridiculous to say that about you know R. Babe Ruth, but strikeouts aren't what they used to be. They're, they're not they're, as important they're, anymore. I, they're an out and out, right? I, I don't yeah. dismiss them because I don't like strikeouts as much as the next guy. And when, and when he gets that uppercut swing and it, and he swings right through these fastball, it drives me nuts. But yep. at the same time, I just think I look down this list and I think, okay, Jacob, you know, I go down the list like Jacob deGrom. Well, okay. You could, you could put Max Scherzer in there. I'd be fine. 
You know, take yep. Christian Yelich, you could put Cody Bellinger in there, and I'd be fine. Take Anthony Rendon, you could take Josh Donaldson in there, and I'd be fine. Yep. But you look at Ronald Acuna to me, and there, and he's irreplaceable. He's the one yep. guy on this list in this league that I think you can't show me an alternative to what Acuna does. And that's what makes an MVP to somebody, right? The, to, the, yes. The pretty good. It's a, the, the credentials you're looking for. He meets up with everything that you're looking for. Uh, yeah. I mean, I really don't, I don't, I don't have a problem with it. I just know that there's, there's many ways to look at it that you could punch a hole through him being your number one. But then again, if you go to the next person on your list, Cody Bellinger, you can find a way to punch a hole in that too. Everybody's got their issues. It's not to me a runaway MVP in the NL. Um, I know I did a poll here about just Acuna knowing fully well that you had picked him as your top spot. And so I told people wondering where it was at, right? Where do you have him at? And so I gave people the option of having me in, in their top three, somewhere between fourth and sixth, or seventh through tenth, or even outside of their tenth. Nobody had him outside their top ten, even though he was ranked tenth in National League uh, at war at the point that I was doing that. Um, the guys that were in front of him were Gelich, Bellinger, Rendon, Marte, Real Muto, Arenado, Story, Grandal, and Chris Bryant. All were ahead of Acuna. Acuna Jr. was ranked tenth at that point. But even in the poll, only 1% out of almost 1,000 votes. So what's that, uh, 10? Yeah. 10, pe- 10 people voted and basically said, nah, he's, he's outside of my top 10, right? Uh, only 7% even had him in the bottom four. So a war was, I mean, it, I know people, when you look at a poll on Twitter, typically you don't go do a bunch of research and then you go pick what you want on a poll, right? right? It's a no, gut it, shot. It, it's the eye it, test, right? It's a Twitter poll. whoop de doo right? So yeah, it's just like, well, where does it feel for me, right? And everybody slid him into that fourth to sixth spot. Almost 60% of the people slid him in that fourth to sixth spot. And a lot of that's going to be influenced by everything that we see day in, day out, that it's a, a three-person horse race with possibly a fourth person coming in. And it's not usually Acuna being mentioned as that fourth. It's usually... Bellinger, Yelich, all year, all year, all year. Now we're adding Rendon. Belly and Yelly, right? Yeah, and now we're starting to add Marte, Ketel Marte into that too. And really the Acuna thing hasn't happened to be included in that. So I think if we're not getting a drive from the fans and we're not getting a drive from people that are covering the game, I have a feeling that Acuna is just not going to get the votes that he probably could get. Um for where he's at, but at least when you when you look at what the fans think of him as a whole, just off the top of their heads, a lot of them see him in the top five, roughly, and uh, right at the fifth position. And you know, War doesn't agree with that, but well, like I said, War isn't everything. So well, that's true, and and I agree with you. I I think I this is this is a hill I'm willing to die on, knowing fully well that I've got a but you know I will die on that hill. Uh, yeah, totally, totally agree with you. Um, all right. So National League Cy Young. This but if was Acuna, if Acuna gets 40, 40, super cool. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, it was the fourth time. Uh, yeah. Something and, like that. And yeah. you know, as great of a feat as it is when your company is Conseco, Rodriguez, Soriano, and um, immediate the, the fourth name escapes me. Immediately. Yeah, and I'm not even remembering if. Yeah, I don't remember. Yeah, but that, it it was was it a, was it Mays? 
No, no, I don't think Maze ever did it. Mm. Um, yeah. But it, it, whatever it is, he's he's far and away probably probably outside of Alex Rodriguez, he's probably the most talented. You would think this would be something that was just stuck in the back of my head. Like there'd be no possibility. <laughs> I wouldn't know who the forty forty guys are. So yeah, it was it was, know, it was you know it was Soriano in two thousand six. It was uh, Alex Rodriguez in ninety eight. It was um, Canseco in eighty eight. And uh, dude, yeah, I, I don't know. you move you move on, and I'm gonna go and talk to right. my trusty friend, baseball reference. There you go. While uh, you start talking about Cy Young, Warriors. there you go. All right, so Cy Young, a boring category for me because it's this. I feel like we're just cycling the same names every year. Jacob Degrom. This is in order, by the way. Degrom, Soroka, Scherzer, Kershaw, Bueller. Yeah, good grief. Yeah, uh, they're all good. Yeah. Um, just just yeah. co-sign on one of them for me, so we can. I don't. You know. I don't know. I'm a. I'm all in on Degrom. Um, Soroka is one that. It's intriguing as can be. Uh, what a year he's had to Scherzer. Uh, just the accuracy in his pitching, his no holds barred way of pitching, where it's an O two count. He's still trying to burn you on three straight pitches. Uh, I love it, but what Degrom does and how he gets it done. It's artistry. Yeah. It's art. Yeah. It's artistry. He is. You know, I did a thing one time where I compared ERA plus from his Cy Young season last year to one of uh, Walter Johnson's seasons, and it was just he is he is like poetry in motion. Yeah, watching him pitch, he is he's yeah. So, so anyway, open and shut there. Degrom, that's our guy. Um, yep. You know, Sorry, Soriano in two thousand six. Uh huh. A Rod ninety eight. Bonds in 96. Bonds. Conseco in 88. The I hell was I thinking? Yeah, the Bonds guys all right at baseball. I, I, I couldn't him. pull Bonds. Like, you know, I feel like for like us like baseball junkies, if we don't know about some offensive feat in the 90s, we do, yeah, Barry Bonds. But he did them all. Yeah, <laughs> it's just what, like. What, did, what didn't he do? You know, yeah, it's, it, it's yeah, that was, that was ill-advised on my part. Um, yeah. All right, uh, NL Rookie of the Year. I did give Soroka this one over Alonzo and Tatis Jr. I I, I think it's fascinating what Alonzo's doing. I think it's great. But you know what? Like, so's everybody else, man. I'm sorry. So's everybody else. Give it to the kid who's, you know, like, like Pedro in the 90s. Give it to the kid who's defying the odds as opposed to playing so far ahead of them. Yeah. Tatis Jr. in the third spot. I don't think I go there uh, with that. I don't, I mean, great time while he was there and then traded off and off playing in the, in the American league now. Right. Um, right. Not getting as much as he was getting before. I'd have somebody like Brian Reynolds probably in that spot. I don't mind the Pete Alonso sticking in the second spot. I get 50 home runs, but then again, I know what year it is too. It's 2019. Uh, ball is ridiculous. I mean, every place but Detroit, and that's because Detroit is like hitting the ball out of Yellowstone National Park. So, right. <laughs> um, and the team's just not that great. So you put those two together, the ball can't even help them. So it waters down Pete Alonso a little bit. Still super ridiculous. It kind of feels like a, a judge type season just a couple years ago. But Soroka, right? Um, instead of pounding holes inside of it, 
I mean, let's give Soroka credit where credit's due. Uh, it's got 164-plus innings pitched this year. ERA plus, I believe, is sitting at 179 for an ERA Are plus. Are you kidding me? I didn't right. know that. Yeah, and I mean, I, I, this is something I was looking at yesterday, but of course Soroka had to pitch yesterday to change things on me, so his numbers have adjusted a little bit on me since yesterday. How rude. ERA, ERA plus uh, all the way down to 175, right? Oh, my goodness. So so he's got another start left in him probably this year to make a little bit more fluctu- uh, fluctuating on that, right? So if we look at rookies that have pitched 160 innings in a year and have had 170 ERA plus, there has only been six occasions that that's ever happened. The last time it happened, Jose Fernandez... 2013 right wow rest in rest in peace rest Jose. in peace of course uh what a freak on the mound would have loved to have seen a full career from that guy it, he was just amazing to watch we didn't get enough time with that um and then the guy before that right the second to most recent guy to put up 160 innings pitch and 175 era plus or better in his rookie year 1911 right what? yeah von Gregg. Right. Von Gregg. Yeah. That's a nineteen eleven baseball name. Greg. Yeah. Uh it, it's been forever. So you're already back in the dead ball era to get there, right? Um Well and you, you know, what's fascinating to me too is that he's doing this in a division that is it's not you know, Soroka is day in, day out pitching against, you know, Bryce Harper, Reese Hoskins, Pete Alonzo. You know, I mean, just, yeah, just, just name, just name it. It's this guy. I don't, Anthony Rendon, Trey Turner, these, these elite hitters day in and day out. He doesn't have to face Acuna and Donaldson. Yeah, that's true. You don't have to face them. (laughs) No Freeman on that lineup against him, but still, yeah, exactly. Right. Where he's doing it, how he's doing it. And, and I, and the understanding that he's going to be able to get that ERA plus to fluctuate that high because of the season that that we are in right the juice ball if he can keep that juice ball in the park and put up the numbers that he's put up you can get a really fluctuated era plus and that's exactly what he's done he's been able to do what not too many pitchers have been able to do keep the ball in the yard uh 28 starts 13 home runs against Uh, yeah uh, it's doing he's doing he's doing things on a scale that you've never, I, I don't, I don't want to say we've never seen it. We've never seen it from a rookie. Yeah, rookie wise, yeah, it's one right. of the, it's a very rare feat what he's doing. I mean, it's only happened, like I said, one other time in the live ball era. If he finishes today with what he's got for that innings pitched in ERA plus, it's only happened three other times since the mound had been moved back to the current distance that it's at in 1993, and then there was three times before that that it happened once in the National League and twice in the American Association. Uh, so you got to go back to 1890, 89 and 1882 to find people that have been that have done these types of things that he's doing to the league this year. So. Anytime you have to start your the last time this happened was in 18 like yep. shut it down. That's yeah. cool. Yeah, like, when you, you have know? to go back to the point where yeah, they weren't even throwing overhand yet. Yeah, exactly. Candy Cummings was like the hot new thing, you know. <laughs> right? Exactly. So, so yeah, uh, I I didn't want to poke holes in this one. I think that the Soroka pick is going to be something that is worthy of that top spot, 
but if I had to put every dollar that I owned on it, which isn't really enough, but uh, yeah. if I put every dollar I had on it, I'll almost say Pete Alonso gets that award. So. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think that, you know, chicks dig the long ball. So yep. Alonso wins, but, you know, Soroka, yeah, he, he deserves it, I think. Yeah. Uh, NL manager, to me, this was, you know, a totally homer pick here, but also it was kind of easy. Snitker, Schilt, and Dave Martinez. Um, you know, I, I don't have a whole lot to say on this one. I just think Snitker's done a great job. And Schilt deserves recognition, but Snitker is doing this with a <coughs> largely still unproven but insanely talented team. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it's an old manager. The manager of the year is such a tough one for me. I really don't. I've never been a big fan of that award, and I think the longer I've, I'm around baseball, the less I really care about that award. It's just, it it's so tough because it just doesn't seem like the team gets enough credit for for it that the manager's taking credit for it with this award. It just seems like you well. Know, Instead of having a manager of the year, why don't we just call it the team of the year and just give it to everybody, even if you don't win the World Series or whatever. You just exceeded expectations. Well, that's uh, a very millennial of you. Yeah. I mean, uh, give everybody a participation award on this one, please. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I guess for me, if I had to go with NL manager of the year, uh, Dave Martinez, probably my top spot. I just I had the, I had the Nats written off before the all-star break at the all-star break and shortly after the all-star break i just i never thought they were going to piece this back together and and somehow make a run at it much less put themselves in the position that they put themselves in um i don't i'm not sure i think over the last hundred games i think their record might even be better than atlanta's i i I don't i I think it's close i think it's close if not better i don't have that in front of me but i agree with you i think um for me, it's just uh, it's just such a gut shot thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I think this is the second year in a row I've put Snicker in my top spot. But, um, you know, I, I think ultimately it was more of an emotional response last year because that was when, you know, Acuna got hit by um, a Urania and it was a big thing. And then, but this year it was just because he objectively like ran the best team. Um, yeah. National League reliever, again, not a whole lot of stock in this one. Yates, Hader, Vasquez. And for that Vasquez, all thing, off-field issues aside, um, you know, any objections? Yeah, yeah. Uh, <coughs> yeah, I'm already done talking about Vasquez. Um, yeah, no, I like Yates at the top spot. Hater still throwing flames. Yeah. Ridiculous. Easy um, guess. But Yates, with the swagger that he's putting up there on the mound and just the way that he's acting at the closer's position, uh, it's amazing what he's doing. To me, low ERA um, in, in high-pressure situations and playing where he's playing, he's he's had every opportunity to bag it in and, and call it a season, and uh, he hasn't. He's just kept excelling. So I wonder yeah. if this is a guy that we'll be talking about like we've talked about. Craig Kimbrell, you know, we, you know, we were, we ordained Kimbrell pretty early on. And, um, you know, I, I, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that we did it prematurely with Kimbrell cause he can still turn things around. I mean, it's a lost year. I get yeah. all that. Some of that in his control, some of it not, but, uh, Yates is one of those guys. I wonder if he is, is he really the, the guy who's going to maintain this and not flame out? You know, I, I don't I don't know what to make of him. Yeah, uh, it, I mean, 
if I remember correctly, Kirby was inside of the uh, Yankees organization as a starter here, mm-hmm. was he not? Um, and uh, no, he never did start. He was always uh, out of the pen. Yeah. Um, but 32 years old, right? Yeah. 32. Uh, old enough to Kim- know better, young enough to keep doing it. Kimbrell's still younger than he is. That's true. And maybe maybe that helps. You know, recency bias with relievers is so impactful. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, because, I mean, you know, Kimbrell's 31, I think, and has yeah. had a terrible year. But, you know, he... It's it's just I almost put him on the list just out of ceremony. <laughs> I thought about it for a second. I was like, oh, he doesn't deserve even a sniff at it. But man, yeah, I mean, I, I'd love to give him something just for how, what he's done for the game. I mean, I I'm a reliever guy. I I'm always on the Billy Wagner for Hall of Fame campaign every year, and I love relievers. And I'm I'm all in on Kimbrel. Uh, I didn't like him when he pitched for the Red Sox just because I was a Yankee. I'm a Yankees fan. Sure. So, uh, but still much respect for him. So yeah, he, he, he hasn't gotten everything that he's deserved to get. That's for sure. But, uh, I mean, it doesn't hurt that he's got a world series underneath his belt, so he'll be all right. Yeah, no, I agree. I think he'll be, I think history will look very kindly on Craig Kimbrell. You know, yeah, I, I, I believe so. I mean, he just, the numbers that he's posted in his career, um, you know, it was Mariano like for dang near a decade. It just, it was uh, incredible to watch for good seven, eight, nine years there. And uh, then this year came around with the whole off season contract and everything else and all that drama that played around that. And, uh, and kind of just took the fire right out from, from me, from what I've, I've gotten used to with Kimbrel. And, uh, it's kind of disappointing. I really, really wanted to see him continue to just yeah put up unlike un, un, unreal numbers right some right. mariana like mo- and he still more. could he still could so yeah yeah he would trade him to the astros it seems like everybody yeah right struggled, get that goes to the astros and they get good so. get that spin rate going just get yeah. trevor bowers blood really boiling yeah we'll send felix hernandez down there with them they'll be both set oh god that's that's what the world needs yeah i need a felix hernandez in the hall of fame i don't know about you but um, I'm a big Felix guy too, so I'll see. Well, we'll have to discuss that when my Hall of Fame ballad comes back around. Um, yeah, yeah. All right. So, so anyway, that that about covers the the year end awards, and um, that I think that also about covers our first episode here, buddy. Yeah, it's not a bad little first episode. I sure yeah. enjoyed being able to get on here and just chat some baseball. It's way better than my job. Nobody at my work understands baseball. If you ask them if they can name a few players, they name about two Mariners, and then they're like, uh, that guy that's named after a fish. Yeah. Right? And that's, <laughs> the the fact get, that they can so. name a couple of Mariners, I think, automatically gets them a notch up status. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the the bit so yeah, the um we're hoping to do this um, you know, pretty regularly. Um, uh, you know, and, and so for my listener, all five of my listeners probably who have, have heard this before, uh, you know, this is gonna become a regular thing and we're gonna keep everybody posted through the through the playoffs and um, you know, probably do a little series wrap up after each uh, season, put some historical context on everything. And uh, yeah. other than that, um, you know, that, that does it for us. Um, again, my name is Adam McKinnon. I am your, your, uh, 
This is Romantic About Baseball Podcast. Uh, this is Jim Passon Jr. Jim, what's your tr- Twitter handle? You can find me at, at Passon Jim on Twitter. It's P-A-S-S-O-N-J-I-M, and I'll be tweeting stats uh, basically year-round, as I always do, trying to find the gems that are out there. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much for joining me, and uh, then uh, we will we'll catch up with everybody next week. Until then, uh, we'll enjoy the postseason baseball. Adios.